Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the sixth episode of AbbeyCast. For today's conversation, I sat down with Dr. Ted Latham and Dr. Jenny Radigan on behalf of the Women's Sacred Music Project. After our conversation, they were kind enough to treat us to a live performance. Therefore, instead of ending today's podcast with the normal plugs for the Abbey and its different offerings, we will put that stuff on the front end as to leave you in a more contemplative space at the end of their performance, fully immersed within the sound. Therefore, if you're interested in making a private retreat, be it a guided retreat with a spiritual director, be it a silent retreat, we can accommodate those needs here at Dalesford Abbey, over 80 acres of beautiful Chester County countryside. Just reach out to me here at the Abbey, email adr at dalesford.org, or give a phone call to 610-601-8702, and we will get you set up with a private retreat. If you feel as if God is calling you to a religious vocation, by all means, check out dalesford.org slash vocations or send us an email, vocations at dalesford.org, and we would be happy and grateful to assist you within that discernment process. And finally, know that we are incredibly grateful here at Dalesford Abbey uh, for your support, be it financial, be it through your prayers, or be it through sharing our content from the Springhouse and Media Ministry to those in your lives who you feel may benefit from it. So know that we are incredibly grateful for all that support and that you make this ministry possible. So without any further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did today. Welcome everyone back to the Howell Garden at Dalesford Abbey. Uh, it's great to be out here on a crisp October day. October 1st is today's date and we are grateful to have with us today on AbbeyCast a few guests. You probably all know Father Andrew Saferni and Norbertine here at Dalesford Abbey. And we have two other special guests today who are going to be talking about our topic of interest, who are Dr. Ted Latham and Dr. Jenny Radigan. So we are most welcome to Ted and Jenny for spending time with us today, and Andrew, of course, for making the time to join in another episode here at Babycast. Uh, today's focus is going to be on the Women's Sacred Music Project. Uh, there is a deep connection between uh, the way that we practice our faith, or really any faith, and music for the most part, uh, but we're going to focus in on that connection here today at the Abbey and uh, how these people here have made that come to life in terms of the worship of the people that uh, come to the Abbey here as well as uh, all of the other people that are uh, touched by the ministries that happen here and uh, your larger bodies of work. Uh, so, uh, Father Andrew, I thought maybe uh, you could give a little bit of history on Dalesford Abbey and the Women's Sacred Music Project, and then uh, we'll let uh, Jenny and Ted unpack the project a little bit more. Sure. Well, uh, I was the uh, liturgy director here for 27 years, off and on, and at uh, one point we had the great pleasure of having uh, Dr. Ted Latham as our music director. And he sucked me into this. And uh, that wasn't hard to do because I think, as a liturgist, I know how important are the texts that we sing because they shape our consciousness. And so um, uh, I was uh, really uh, quite willing to support him in uh, the work that uh, he was doing with the women's uh, project. And uh, we were able to have, I think, two two times where we had... uh, Sunday afternoon concerts with the, 
the, the music that was written by uh, women composers. They were really wonderful events. Then uh, he abandoned us, and uh, <laughs> and then I abandoned the app. Then I went off to St. Norbert College in Wisconsin, and uh, I came back. I already knew Jenny, but Jenny was here in the choir, and then uh, she has uh, revived uh, my interest in it. So it, there's always been some um, connection. While, while Ted was here, it was really a, a very tight connection and okay. because uh, I got involved actually even with the, the leadership of it. So uh, I'm, I'm delighted that uh, it's kind of come back here in a way. Excellent. Thank you, Father Andrew. Well, Ted, I'm going to get to you in a second, but I'm going to go to Jenny, and if you could give us a little bit of uh, brief background on yourself and how you got involved initially with the Women's Sacred Music Project. Thank you. Well, I uh, taught at Rosemont College, a women's college, for many, many years. It's now co-ed uh, for over 25 years. And during that time, I was uh, very interested in teaching women's spirituality, women in religion, and uh, women in world religions. And so I had a natural interest in what was happening. Um, I, was, I belonged to a group in the city connected with the Metropolitan Christian Council called Women of Faith. And it was through them that I was introduced to Mother Paulette Schiff, who was one of the um, new, was one of the ordained Episcopal women priests. And um, what was going on with Mother Paulette? She was an assistant priest at St. Mark's, and uh, in the city, and uh, they were celebrating 20 years of women's ordination. And our founder, Lisa Neufeld Thomas. Uh, was very interested in gathering a group of lay women uh, to worship together there. And what they dis- what they discovered quickly is the resources for bringing women's work to the- these liturgies were very few. Uh, and their the, their 1982 hymnal had just such a small amount that they started looking. And Lisa, in her wonderful way, persistent way, began the research. That research uncovered many, many things, including some of the anthem, the curie of Hildegard of Bingen, and her antiphons, and then music that was, that was there, and maybe some people used it, but was pretty hidden. So a group of musicians started meeting every week, singing these new finds that Lisa had, and then they brought that to the attention of the Episcopal Diocese. Bishop Alan Bartlett was the bishop at that time, took a great interest, and along with other bishops and Bishop Barbara Harris, brought a resolution to the floor of the Episcopal Convention in Philadelphia in 1996, and that, or I think it was 1997, that then initiated the project of Voices Found, this hymnal that uh, is really one of the premier productions of the uh, projects that we engaged in. And uh, and so things went from there. Just say a word about Bishop Bartlett. He has been a continued support. He has is still on the board. He chairs he's the nominating committee. And he's interested in every new thing that is possible. Um, so as we, as we look at their history, the group that got together to sing at uh, St. Mark's 
became the Lady Chapel Singers. And they were uh, beginning to gather the music. They were having concerts. They ended up having concerts in, in England and Germany, as well as here. And Rosemont College was a perfect spot for it, as was Dale Street Abbey. Right. And so as we moved along, we had this kind of performing branch of the project. Now, the project really then involved the research, it involved the publication, it involved the commissioning of new music, which we've been involved with, and it involved um, the education, kind of educating people to what's available. And I, I would say two things, two important pieces of it. One is the fact that this project grew out of a need. I, the college that I taught at, Rosemont College, grew out of a need for women's education. Even the, the whole Norbertine community grew out of a certain need back in the 12th yeah. century. So we, we really can't dismiss the fact that that drives a lot of things, a lot of projects, a lot of communities, sure. and so on. So that's really good. The other thing is the whole idea of what it means to come at our sp musical, spiritual tradition out of the richness of women's experience, which is something shared by men and women alike. And a couple examples of that. I mean, one is that I think most people who sing the old gospel song, Blessed Assurance, have no idea that that was written by Fanny Cosby, hmm. a gospel woman okay. that wrote many things. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of hidden. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the commissions, uh, well, actually two of our commissions were done by um, a, a local composer who has become world-renowned. And that those pieces are really incredible. And one of them is the, um, the story of the mother of Moses, Yacobin. Mm -hmm. And that piece... Uh, appeared in a CD called Magdalene and the Other Mary. We have two CDs that we published. One was Echoes of St. Hildegard. That was the first one. And the second one was um, this uh, Magdalene and the Other Mary. And um, it was Amanda Clearfield who was the composer. And her piece is um, uh, The Mother of Moses is quite beautiful. I think uh, it's one of my favorites, if I go back and look at the whole. And so when that, uh, when that piece came out on our CD, I was doing some work with my husband uh, for the American Council on Education. We were at a Jewish center uh, to examine courses. And a couple of people on the team, one was a woman from Hebrew University, and I brought the CD and I played it for her, and she was thrilled. There was a rabbi in the room on the team, and he, uh, he said, well, what are you listening to? So I told him, and he said, I want to hear it. So he puts on the earphones, and, this, it, and that point, when that, when that uh, CD came, I just had a little CD player or something anyway. He put the headphones on, and he starts to listen. And tears were rolling down his beard. He said, I never thought of what it was like from working with you. So we have that going on. And in our latest commission, again, the song of Hannah, the woman who wanted a child for so long. And so that piece is just this painted and kind of prayed. So those are the things that I would sort of 
you know, bring to the table as part of our background, an important part of our background. And now, with the new executive director, not so new now, <laughs> feels new to me. Uh, but uh, I mean, it, it's very, very important. And collaboration, as you could see in the in the founding with Bishop Bartlett, mm-hmm. between men and women, has been just part of our whole thing. Mm-hmm. And we have seen this as a rich resource for men and women. And uh, we draw always from one another's experience. Mm-hmm. And so now we have even new possibilities for conditioning with young people. Jenny, thank you for sharing that rich history of the organization as well as those roots that you tap to in terms of you know, women in sacred music in our history, right? Um, and I'm thinking now about how uh, you know it's really been brought to the social consciousness of you know, uh, alternative histories, right? Those uh, groups of people that may have been silenced in the past because of the way that our systems work in society and how the arts is really a beautiful way to convey the importance of that story, that narrative that women go through, you know, especially women within faith traditions go through. And I think that music would be one of the easiest ways because it's not, you know, about a dialogue and it's not about making a point versus an... It's just an experience, right? It's a beautiful thing. Uh, I owe two of you an apology. I I did not uh, introduce you with your proper titles um, in relation to the project as well as those at home. So Jenny is uh, part of the board of directors of the Women's Sacred Music Project, and uh, Ted is the executive director. Uh, So in in case uh, you're unfamiliar with uh, that uh, at home, that's what... Jenny referenced when she talked about Ted as the executive director. Well, actually, it's, it's interesting, Andrew, because our uh, founder, Lisa, um, has, has retired from her duties, but okay. not retired from her interest and her input. Um, but it took two of us to fill her place. I'm the president of the board, okay. and then Ted is executive director. But that we, we realized what an amazing combination of leadership is, you know, uh, ideas and so on that she's Of course. Excellent. Well, and Ted, would you mind sharing about how you got involved in this project and maybe a little bit of your vision for where it's headed? Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. So, hello everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. I really feel like I'm in august company here. These are two of my spiritual parents, people that I really admire. And uh, I just, I was so inspired listening to, to Jenny give the history of the organization. And uh, I'm the newbie here. I've really only been on the job for a year and Uh, As Jenny mentioned, we had to split the position. Um, Lisa Neufeld-Thomas, our president, was also the executive director for the 25 years prior. But when she stepped down, we couldn't do the work that she did with one person. So that we split the position, and the the Women's Sacred Music Project created an executive directorship for me to manage the day-to-day operations, to to work on the commissions uh, and the creative projects, and then uh, retained... Jenny as president to be the figurehead and to do the outreach to communities and uh, you know all of the networking and so forth. So uh, it's really a pleasure for me to be here. Uh, Andrew referenced the the two projects that we did here. What he forgot was that the first project was really something that I heard during my interview for my position here. I came during the feast of Saint Augustine and Norm Gowan was directing, and he had. Um, an event, a concert event for the Women's Sacred Music Project that he brought in singers from all over the area to do. And I came and attended that, um, having not been hired yet, but I remember sort of being so inspired and so uh, moved by what I saw and music that I had never heard before 
and uh, and that's that's how I got interested in it. And then when I started as the director of music here, Andrew used the phrase "sucked me in." So the the Women's Sacred Music Project sucked me in, you know, and and got me to join uh, the board at that time. Sort of, I don't know if it was just. Uh, by virtue of my position, or uh, you know whether it was a formalized appointment, but we did those two events yeah, here, and they true. were wonderful. My wife Kara actually came and sang uh, for Andrea Clearfield's piece, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a real source of richness for me. And then in the past year, when I found out that they needed someone to fill this newly created position, what I did, I have to put this on the record and say that what I did was I nominated several women before myself. I really thought it would be appropriate to have a woman in the position. And um, for whatever reason, they decided to go uh, with my application. And I couldn't be happier. It's really been uh, a joy for me this year, uh, a whirlwind of a year. But uh, you mentioned new directions. And one thing that we are doing that I started when I came was connecting to the Young Women Composers Camp, which is a, a new organization, relatively new. It's five years old now, I think, four years old, uh, through Temple University, where I'm on the faculty. And Erin uh, Bush, who is the founder of that group, uh, has a wonderful organization in the summer for young women composers. They come to Temple and they study with Andrea and Cynthia Folio and a number of other prominent female musicians in the area, and they learn how to write music. Hmm. Not necessarily sacred music per se, but uh, in, a, in a variety of different styles. Hmm. And I thought this would be perfect for us to plug into, so we offered them an annual commission. Hmm. And last year, or I guess it's still 2020, huh? will 2020 ever end? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, earlier in 2020, we premiered our first one. Okay. And it was actually written by uh, a young woman who was one of their first alums from the camp. And, uh, and set to a text from this hymnal yes. uh, that Jenny referenced. So it was a great connection with the past and the future. And we were so, so moved because she chose a text in the hymnal that did not have an accompaniment. But it was a text um, that really uh, was amazing. It was another medieval text. Mm -hmm. And it was from MacTilde of Magdeburg, who was a contemporary, mm -hmm. you know, all back in the 12th century. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so that was wonderful. And one other thing, there were actually three events here. The That's third right. one had to do with women of valor, That's right. and it was um, an interfaith yes. thing. Mm -hmm. And it was wonderful. We had a Muslim response and a Jewish response, and a Christian response, and so on. Mm -hmm. And that was lit a little bit later. So, mm -hmm. it, the first two were the big kind of breakthrough. But the other thing, too, is this wonderful Abbey has always offered us hospitality. Mm -hmm. We were always able to come here for a meeting, mm -hmm. and we were welcomed here for those things, So, which is the mark, I think, of any monastic guy. Even we would hope. Group. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Besides, we have a great space for singing. You have great space. That you do. And that we'll get to enjoy uh, in a few minutes here when we transition our podcast into the church will be joined by a member of the Women's Sacred Music Project who will share her gifts with us along with Ted as he uh, plays the piano in there. So, um, yeah, as you all share your perspective on uh, the Women's Sacred Music Project, your involvement in it, it just sounds very organic, first of all, to me in the way that it kind of just, you know, uh, uh, sprung forth from what was going on in your lives at the time um, in, in different time periods in which you got involved and in the way that it's kind of brought 
the different people and circles in your life into the project in some way in a spirit of collaboration. I'd imagine, again, you know, affirming the Norbertine charism of Comunio, right? right. Uh, but even to hear like, how your wife got involved in terms of performance, uh, I just love to hear things like that, especially when we bring it back to faith, right? Because that's something that's so personal for all of us. It unites us. Um, if I could just put you each on the spot, and maybe if you could share about what, uh, or share what sacred music is to you or you know, what it means to participate in a project like this, something to that effect of, you know, if you had to share a message with people at home about why sacred music is important or, you know, why this means so much to you, just if you'd care to rap about that. I don't know if, uh, Ted, you might want to start. We could start with Andrew or Jenny. We'll go to the middle here. Don't start with me. Okay. I, yeah, I'd be happy to start. You looked yeah, like you were ready. So, we, yeah. can, we can spin around the other way after that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I have to say in the context of your question that, my application letter for this position was the easiest one I've ever written. And I have a different job every day of the week, it seems like. You know, if it's Wednesday, I must be wearing this hat or that hat. But I just love this group. And, and the reason why, getting to your question, is that I've had strong women in my life through, from the very beginning, strong musical women, and, and now strong women of faith as well. And so, to me, that's really where it flows from. You know, the, and every time that I do something on behalf of the project or start a new idea, I'm thinking about those powerful women that, you know, have mentored me throughout my life, musically and spiritually. Um, as far as what sacred music means to me, generally speaking, it's really a prayer. And um, I think of it that way, I think, because I'm Irish Catholic on my mother's side. And my grandfather, although he wasn't a, an especially religious person, he was a choral conductor. Okay. And that's where I come from. That's the tradition that I come from. And mm -hmm. he prayed through his music. I have no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was a deep and nourishing prayer for him, even though it was unconventional. You know, it was, it was not the, the typical routine that you would think of for a traditional Catholic. But um, I learned that early on, you know, mm -hmm. that, that music was a form of prayer and I internalized it. And I think that's true of, of the music that you're doing, regardless of the style or tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, the music that we'll share with you in a moment, mm -hmm. I think of that in the same way as I do the music I play on Sundays at church, or you know, the music that I'm that I'm sharing for myself and my family at home. So, yeah, it's really a prayer for me. Thank you for that, Ted. Yeah, beautiful. I've been involved in music since I was a tiny little child. My mother sang in the church choir, and I can still remember holding her hand and climbing up the stairs to the to the choir and sitting, you know, off to the side and listening and, and then humming, you know, even as a little three- and four-year-old. And that stayed with me. I then was all the way through school in the choir. And, um, and it... It was so soothing, and it, it really fed my soul. When I think of music, I think of food. I think of food for my soul. And I remember my grandmother was Baptist, and she loved to sing. And she had her little Baptist hymnal. And I remember sitting in her living room, and she would sing all those old blessed assurance and um, lead kindly light and, you know, all of those things. Uh, it is well with my soul. And and I grew up with that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when times are hard, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. I just sing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think it is a ball for the soul. And that's how I see it. Very well said. Thank you for that, Jim. Well, um, I was not um, was not raised uh, with music so much. Uh, 
I was taking clarinet lessons, but I was so bad that my parents asked me to stop because it sounded like screeching. But uh, I was introduced to classical music by one of our priests, and I was always, uh, we were always singing in church, very devotional uh, music of uh, actually kind of sappy. But I always say that probably on my deathbed, that's what I'll be singing because it's it's in there so deep. But I was always drawn to um, to worship, to liturgy. And uh, I perceived very early, especially through the example of the Norvegians, that to me, spoken worship is like, you know, junior varsity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it is the nature of ritual that it be sung. And so I've always had a, a deep, deep interest in, in liturgical music, but, but I would say in, in, in a bigger, in a larger umbrella, that, and we got at this a little while, towards the beginning, I think that uh, the arts are the most privileged way to God. Mm-hmm. That, that uh, you know, theological texts are, you know, they're up here and they're important, mm-hmm. but that the, the arts engage the entire person. Mm-hmm. So for example, that, that liturgy is a choreography and, and so the music, the movement, mm-hmm. the color, the architecture are all an opening to God that has been passion for me all of my adult life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've heard you say before about the difference between a liturgy being spoken versus it being sung, right? Uh, maybe that might be a good transition for us as right. we <laughs> head inside the building to hear a little sampling of the sacred music. But uh, Father Andrew, would you care to just unpack that a little bit more about the difference between, uh, you know, a, a ritual worship that is sung versus one that's maybe just spoken, and how that engages us differently? Well, the, first of all, I mean, we might take what we're going through with uh, COVID right now. Okay. That that we're told not to sing because it it you know this aerosol is getting out. It because it's the way it is engaging the whole body. Mm. So. So that it's it's uh, it really is taking up the whole per it, it's it's working at a deeper level, mm. you know. So that, for example, I say it, we might look at Lexio Divina, you know. So that we're we're looking at a, the text of a psalm, and and we're sitting with it, and in the silence, we're not doing a, a, an exegesis. We're simply paying attention to. What in that psalm is making my heart beat faster? Mm. What phrase, what word? And, and we may have to sit there for a while to realize why that, that phrase or word is speaking to me and how God is speaking to me through that at this deep level. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think that, that to do theology without moving it into worship and worship that engages the whole body is really, uh, yeah, it's uh, it doesn't in, that doesn't interest me at all. It's a holistic practice, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and I know for Jim, my husband, and myself, the coming up here for vespers, coming to liturgies here, um, it is just an amazing part of our retirement schedule, right. and yeah. we, we we love it and appreciate it. The other is, uh, for example, uh, uh, Ted and Jenny, they're not asking anybody to put a theological text to music. You know? That's right. That's prose. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the best language of the liturgy is poetry. Mm-hmm. Like why the Psalms are at the, at the heart of it. You know? mm-hmm. So again, that it's, it's, working, it's working at many, many levels. Mm-hmm. 
so that's why it's said, yeah, I think it's, it's critically important. Just think what our present political situation would be if we were singing right now. Well, well, <laughs> that's a thought. That would certainly be a curveball, right? Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, if it were a musical, right? I was just going to say, we, we certainly don't want to leave this space without thanking you so much for this opportunity. Oh, of course. Because it's, uh, it's important to us to get the word out and to have yeah. people just right. join with us. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, and uh, I don't know if you want this nickname on record, but uh, I hear that one of your nicknames around here is Andrew the Younger, and I love that because Andrew the Elder is here as well, <laughs> That's and right. I love the spark of energy and enthusiasm and vitality and innovation that you're bringing, so it, it is yeah. wonderful. I agree with Jenny. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Jenny, Ted, Andrew. It was like when we hired you. You know, we really lucked out. <laughs> right. We hope to keep him longer, but uh, we're very happy with where you are. And that you've kept the connection with us. Thank yeah. you all for your kind words and for your presence and your willingness to share your gifts with us today. So um, thank you for tuning into our conversation, uh, the, that, this first portion of the podcast. Um, and uh, as we uh, now prepare to transition inside, maybe just take a moment at home to kind of center yourself, shift your um, frame of awareness a little bit into maybe a bit more of a meditative space so that you can really uh, be immersed uh, wholly, holistically uh, within this great sacred music that uh, Ted and the Women's Sacred Music Project are about to share with us. All right.
We are so grateful for such a beautiful performance and sharing. If you wish to access the Women's Sacred Music Project yourself online, you can go to womenssacredmusicproject.org. The Women's Sacred Music Project is also currently collaborating with the Young Women Composers Camp, who can be found online at youngwomencomposers.org. The Women's Sacred Music Project has published a hymnal called Voices Found, which can be accessed via a PDF version on Google Books by visiting churchpublishing.org slash products slash Voices Found. And finally, you can also purchase the Voices Found hymnal via Amazon. We will include a link within the show notes or within the side comments if you happen to be watching or listening to this on social media. So thanks so much for tuning in to AbbeyCast. Peace. Content from the Springhouse is available free of charge. If you find this ministry is of service to you, we hope that you will support us in providing this content in an ongoing manner. We consider this a pay-it-forward endeavor. Not only would your donation help us to cover the expenses of producing its content, you would make it possible for us to offer it to others as well. As long as we are able, by your generosity, we will continue to produce content which we believe will serve the church. We hope that you might become a partner in this ministry. Please click the link in the description below this video to make a donation.